in the month of Nisan, not the car, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, Why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. And in verse 4, the king said to me, What is it that you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven. Let's pray. Father, we want to follow Nehemiah's example. And before we go any further, we want to ask you, God, to bless us as we explore and dive into your word. May your word be life to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So now we've gone through chapter 1 of Nehemiah. We remember that Nehemiah asked his brother, how was the state, how was Jerusalem doing? And the word and the response that he got drove him. The word was that Jerusalem was in bad shape. The walls are broken down, broken down. The doors have been burned and they're still in the same condition. Nehemiah's response was what? Let's see if you can remember. What was Nehemiah's response? First, he did what? Before he prayed, he did something. Anybody remember? He was standing up, so he... He sat down, the Bible says, as he sat down in verse 4 of chapter 1. After I heard these things, I sat down, then he cried, he wept. And then, after he wept, for some days he mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And so we learned last time is that what would we do if we feel like Jerusalem, which could be our church, could be our home, could be our family, is in bad conditions, is in, a bad, is in bad shape, we need to be able to stop what we're doing, we need to take time to pray, we need to take time to meditate, we need to take time to be with God, even fast, and go first to God, and not go first to the King. And so, uh, Nehemiah finishes that first chapter saying, I was the cupbearer to the king. He was an important personality. He was a person that always stood next to the king. Even though he was a Jew, he was an influential person in the kingdom. And having that influence, Nehemiah easily could have gone first to Artaxerxes and said, I have this problem. But first, the Bible says that he prayed. And he was the cupbearer. And so now in chapter 2, verse 1, it is the month of Nisan. Now in chapter 1, verse 1, it also gives us the month of the year in which this whole story is unfolding. In chapter 1, verse 1, it says that it's the month of Kislev, which was, I said last time, was around the time of November or December in the middle because the months overlap in the Jewish calendar. But now in chapter 2, verse 1, he's giving us a chronological view of how things are unfolding. Now it was the month of Nisan. Now if you calculate how much time between Kislev and Nisan, we have approximately, approximately time there of four months. This is the time of between March and April. Three to four months 
of in which time had gone by since we last heard of Nehemiah. Now, if he had written a letter to you and the last word was the last words of chapter 1, and then the next letter you got would re-enter your mailbox four months later. And four months later, Nehemiah is now writing back to us. And remember in chapter 1, he was praying that God would grant him favor with the king. That was verse 11. He was praying to God to grant him favor. So what was Nehemiah doing for four months? Why did it take so long for Nehemiah to approach the king with his request? Was it lack of faith? Was it lack of trust? Most likely he continued to do what he had done when he first heard the news. He first heard the news, he stopped, he wept, he fasted, he mourned, and he prayed to the God of heaven. God grant me favor with the king. In four months, we don't know exactly what he did for four months, but we can imagine for four months what Nehemiah was doing. If his attitude before a crisis, or not even so much a moment of crisis, but every time faced with a decision, he prayed. I can imagine Nehemiah for four months praying and asking God to open the door at the right time. Nehemiah didn't want to be presumptuous, which means to claim to move or act by faith, when really God isn't moving him to move in that direction. We can move by quote-unquote faith when many times that's just us moving. Nehemiah quickly could have said, I had my prayer, I knelt down, I fasted for two or three days or maybe for just one day. That should be enough to face the king and tell him what's on my mind. But Nehemiah is teaching us today that patience is a virtue Nehemiah did not trust himself enough to think that I prayed today I fasted today I even cried today over Jerusalem therefore I think that's all I need right now and I'm going to go and talk to the king Nehemiah did not do that he waited four months, and he, actually he didn't even wait four months. As we unfold, as we continue in the story, we realize that Nehemiah didn't even initiate this interaction with the whole situation of what Jerusalem. It came from the king. Nehemiah prayed and asked God because he did not trust himself. He did not want to be too presumptuous. And at the same time, if you think about it, in Ezra, there was a decree that made the people from Jerusalem stop working. They had to stop because some enemies had wrote some letters to the king and they were saying that if you let Jerusalem grow and build itself up and become a a nation again, they might rebel against you and they may not want to pay tax and they may even want to fight against you. So they scared or they put this into the mind of the king and the king made a decree or sent a letter saying stop the work. Now was Nehemiah going to be so you know so daring to ask the king to revoke what maybe the previous king had said 
and insinuate that what they had decided was wrong by coming forward and saying, hey, look, Jerusalem's in a bad shape and I need to go help them. In other words, it could be interpreted, you guys made a bad decision and look how Jerusalem's doing and therefore now I got to go help them and fix this problem. Maybe that's how it could have been heard in the ears of the king. So Nehemiah had reasons for not just quickly and brashly going forward and making a decision. So for four months, he decided to pray. How many times do we claim to move in that direction and yet we get impatient with God and we think, we begin to think that this is the time. You know, and this is very difficult and I have to admit myself. How do we know when we're making a decision based on what really God wants or what I want? How can you separate it? Because, you know, I'm thinking, is that the God speaking to me through my conscience? Or is that me speaking to myself? I believe God is leading me in this direction. How do you know? Because God told me so. Well, how do you know for sure that that is God telling you so? And I think that's an individual answer for everybody. But... I sometimes wonder if I made decisions based on what I wanted, thinking that that was God, what God wanted. Or maybe hiding behind the excuse, oh, that's what God wanted for me, when in reality, that's what you wanted for yourself. I guess maybe the result of our decision will tell us whether we made the right decision or not. Maybe that's the way. Or God in His mercy, in spite of our presumptuous decision making continue to guide us and use us in spite of that maybe we won't know for sure until God reveals it to us when he comes had you done this maybe that's not the time to be saying if anyways it doesn't matter at that point does it but either way sometimes we need to pray a little bit more but not only pray but wait Wait on the Lord. Imagine waiting four months for a decision. God, should I take this job? I can't wait four months. I got to wait a couple of days before I make this decision. And so it's not always easy. I don't have a straight answer for you. But Nehemiah wanted to make sure. You want to make sure. You want to pray about it. You want to talk it over with your families. You want to talk it over with your friends. You want to talk it over with your colleagues and others. You've prayed for many days. And you believe that you've reached your decision. Sometimes it's not so easy. But Nehemiah did not jump right away at the feet of the king. But he waited until God opened the door. During those four months... Nehemiah didn't just sit around. I believe that he was praying and also making plans. So first is that, I guess the first point we can make is that Nehemiah prayed and waited. Four months is how many weeks? 16 weeks, right? Approximately. Which equals how many days? 120 days. You know, some of us can't even wait a one or two days. So Nehemiah prayed and waited first point second point while Nehemiah was praying and waiting I am pretty sure that he 
along with his praying and his waiting, was preparation. Preparation for what? Nehemiah wanted to do something. God had put a vision before him. God had put a burden on him to go to Jerusalem and help in this reestablishment, reconstruction, remodeling of Jerusalem. So along with praying, along with waiting, Nehemiah not only went to work and came back home and prayed and waited, I believe every day after he, or even while he was working, he was thinking how he was going to do what he wanted to do. He probably got home from work, took a shower, and then got at the drawing board and began to make plans of how he was going to pursue this idea, pursue this vision that God had put before him of how to rebuild Jerusalem. He was probably thinking, what am I going to say to the king in the moment that I have when God opens the door, what am I going to tell him? There is a place for preparation. This is faith. You might think, well, that's not faith. You're preparing too much. And sometimes we substitute faith and we say, we don't need to plan. We, don't need, we can just do whatever way it comes out. Well, let's go by faith. I don't think that's faith, my friends. That's just lack of preparation and then blaming God if it doesn't turn out right. So Nehemiah prepared. He prayed, he waited, and he prepared. For four months, he was making, I don't know what, blueprints or drawing out plans and ideas, rehearsing what he would tell the king at the moment, waiting for that green light. Imagine that the king gave him the moment and then Nehemiah didn't know what to say. Well, um, uh, king, uh, well, um, um, you know, that doesn't work. No verbal crutches before the king. Maybe the king would not have been inclined to give permission to Nehemiah. So Nehemiah prays. While praying, he is making plans. What was he going to do when he got the green light? Have you ever heard that illustration of, be, of, the pers- of those people being chased in the jungle by a beast, by an animal, a lion or a bear? I don't remember what it was. Actually, I think it was a joke, but it's a good illustration. People are walking in the jungle, and all of a sudden, some animal begins to chase them. And they run, and they run, and they run. And then the other guy says, hey, we need to stop and pray. He says, you can stop if you want. I'll pray while I'm running. That makes the point that, you know, that's like saying, I'll stop and pray, and God has to do what I say. But the other person said, I don't have to stop. I can pray while I'm running. There's the part that we have to put into it. Just like Nehemiah, he's praying, he's waiting, but he's also making plans for the, when the moment arrives for him to face the king. And so, in, verse, uh, in the following verses there, it said, I had not been sad in his presence before. I had not been sad in his presence before. Why could not he be sad Was he sad? He was sad. But he couldn't bring a sad face to work. 
He couldn't be moping around, dragging his feet, pouring the water or the wine, and then splashing the, the wine all over the place, getting the nice fine linen all stained with spots of wine, or just, you know, moving the food around and having a bad day. No, you can't do that when you're working for the king. You have to have a good demeanor. You have to have a nice face. You have to work with a pleasant attitude. And so even, even, even though Nehemiah had this burden in his heart, he had to put on a good face at work. It's like when you say, how you doing, Nehemiah? You know, your, fat, your face is sad. What is wrong with you? What do we say when somebody asks us that? What is wrong? You look sad. No, I'm fine. There's nothing wrong with me. But you look kind of, you know, down. No, I'm not down. I'm just, you know, having a tough day. I'm just tired. I didn't sleep well. But Nehemiah did not, could not any longer hold back that burden that God had laid on him. As the more he prayed, the more he waited, the more that he made plans, the more he felt the burden of having to be there and do something. He was no longer satisfied and content of just going through the motions of every day, going through the work that he had to do before the king. And sooner or later, all that he was holding inside came up to his face and was obvious. And now the king noticed what was going on because Nehemiah's passion for Jerusalem had grown even more if our passion for God's work is to increase we need to be in prayer and working we can't expect God to infuse some passion in us like a syringe and just inject us with passion for something if we're not praying and making plans and of, of uh, making plans of the vision that God has put in our mind and how are we going to go about doing that I bet everybody here has an idea of how they would like to see things better amen if I ask you what do you think we need to do to make things better I bet everybody here has an opinion they, and, I, and I don't think everybody has the same opinion and so, everybody has a vision. I have a vision. I would like to see things a certain way. And I bet you would like to see things a certain way. And Nehemiah, when he first got the news of Jerusalem, began to get a vision of how he would like to see Jerusalem. And he didn't right away want to do, make, run to the solution. He made plans, he prayed, and he waited on God, and he made plans, and waited until it was God who opened the door to go ahead with what he wanted to do. How did he want to make sure that it wasn't just his idea? He waited on God, and then God opened the door. How do we know whether our plan is the one that has the million-dollar solution to all the problems? Wait on the Lord, pray, make plans, and let God open the door. And when God opens the door, the plans are already made, and you can go forward and move. You might say, yeah, I have this vision, I have this plan, but the people are stopping me 
from moving forward with this plan well nobody can stop God so you move forward and you keep praying you keep waiting and you keep planning and if you feel God at the moment he opens the door then you move then you move forward not move from this church you move forward and if God has to deal with anybody that is getting in his way he will have to deal with those people as we will see there are people who get in Nehemiah's way trying to stop the work and Nehemiah we'll see as we go along how Nehemiah dealt with that opposition and so when we work we want passion to grow God will lead us as we increase in our prayer and as we increase in our preparation as we increase in that my question is what, if, what is your passion what is your passion you might say I don't know okay you don't know maybe your passion has been stuffed so low that you, don't want, you can't even remember or think about it everybody has to have a passion has your passion been extinguished you've been burned out have you been discouraged because of the oppositions of others we all have a passion and God wants to use our passion for the building up of his kingdom and sooner or later the passion will show on your face or your discouragement will show on your face and then the pastor is going to come by and say hey you look sad but you're not sick what's going on and you might say this is my opportunity I don't know if it will work out that way but I'm just imagining so the king told Nehemiah what is wrong why does your face look so sad when you are not ill this can be nothing but sadness of heart and Nehemiah says I was much afraid why was Nehemiah afraid well maybe he didn't expect that, that day that this would be the day that I would get my chance maybe four months had gone by he thought well today probably is not the day another day is going to go by just like every other day but at the same time he was waiting to be always be prepared at all times it's like live like tomorrow Jesus is coming but at the same time live like he's not coming does that make sense you have to prepare for the future knowing that Jesus is coming so be ready even if he's coming today but at the same time we need to prepare for the future and you know because we can't just stop living so Nehemiah had to be ready but I can imagine him getting caught off guard I had a sad face I didn't even notice it how many have been caught with a sad face and you don't even notice it he couldn't give that answer well nothing's wrong with me he couldn't give that answer I'm just fine I'm doing fine he could not give that answer that day it was obvious that something had was on his face and the fact the truth the moment had a, the moment of truth had arrived all the praying all the planning all the waiting was had been done and now the day had come when God began to crack open the door and that day the door did not only crack it opened up all the way 
And I can imagine Nehemiah got nervous at the moment. And it, what would have been worse was to be caught unprepared or not knowing what to say. So, Nehemiah's response. But I said to the king, May the king live forever. That's just the way they say things back then. No, you keep on living, king. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins? Strategic words by Nehemiah. The city where my, what? My fathers are buried lie in ruins. He doesn't say Jerusalem. Because the Persians held a great esteem for the tombs of their fathers. And to know that tombs have been desecrated was a great offense to the Persian people. And so Nehemiah chooses his words wisely. That's what he was doing for four months. The place where my fathers are buried, they lie in ruins. He already tugged at the king's heart. And the gates have been destroyed by fire. Then the king said to me, what do you want? Wow. Is it that easy? Four months for that? Four months? Okay, here I go. Let me shoot it away. Everything I have been holding in for four months, and you just blurt it out. But no, what do you want? The king had just put at his lap the opportunity to make his needs known. How did the king know that Nehemiah wanted something? Apparently, he did not want Nehemiah to be in this sad state. He said, what do you want? It wasn't Artaxerxes who was going to give Nehemiah what he wanted. It was God granting to Nehemiah the desires of his heart through the person of a Persian king. God can answer our prayers even through pagan instruments like an unbelieving king. God can use anyone he pleases to grant us our requests. So what did Nehemiah do? Did he blurt it all out? He began to blurt out everything? No. Then I prayed. Key word in the book of Nehemiah. Then I prayed to the God of heaven. But didn't he already pray enough? My goodness, he prayed enough so that when the moment came, he can just let it out. God had, had just answered his prayer right then. Why pray again? He wanted to make sure that what he said had God's blessing. And he also recognizes that even though he had planned, this is not his plan, his plan, but God's plan, and thus did not want to take any steps without first consulting with his God. And so Nehemiah, he prayed once again to the God of heaven. And then he answered. <clears throat> and then he answered. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah, where my fathers are buried, so that I can rebuild it. He didn't say Jerusalem. He said to the city of Judah. Then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, there's a lot of argument of what that means, as you read commentaries, why, what does the queen have to do with anything? Well, the queen and the king apparently make decisions together. And so this makes it a more official thing. 
How long will your journey take? And sometimes the queen has a little bit of influence on how the king makes his decisions. And so the king asked him the question, How long will your journey take and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. Now, had he not prepared, had he not made plans, how will he know, how will he know how long he needed? He could have said, well, let me think about it. Well, you know, I have to do this. It takes me time to get there, talk to the people, get them together, rally the troops, figure out what really, you know, assess the situation and everything. Um, you know, I'm not sure. Can I have some time to think about that, King? I'll get back to you on that, all right? No. Those four months were times of preparation and prayer. He had a time. He set a time. He had set a goal of what he could do. He knew what he was aiming at, even though he had not been there to assess the situation. But he had planned it, thought about it, and he made an estimate. He didn't have an exact time frame, but he made an estimate. You know, if we don't set goals, we don't know what we're aiming at. And if we don't set all goals, we're aiming at anything. Anything goes. And so that's why we need to set goals. And Nehemiah teaches that here today also. We need to set goals in our lives so that we know where we're going. If not, we just go with the flow. So Nehemiah 2.7 says, And also said to him, If it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter, king, by the way, uh, while I got you, while I got your attention, I want to take this a little bit further. You see, Nehemiah was starting to get bold. He saw God opening the doors. He saw the king opening up and allowing this request. And he was talking and the king was still listening. So as long as he was listening, he would keep going. By the way, um, I need, I need a, a visa and a passport. And I need to get through uh, the forest. I need a letter to the keeper of the forest. Not to get through the forest only, O king, keep living forever. But I need wood. Because, you know, where I'm going, we need to rebuild and work. Part of his four-month planning session. He needed wood. Give me timber for the beams, for the gates of the citadel by the temple, and for the city wall, and for the residence I will occupy. See, he was already talking about his house. He was already making plans. And because the gracious hand of my God was upon me, the king granted my requests. So I went to the governors of the trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. And the king had also, not only had given me letters, but the king also gave me army officers and cavalry with me. He sent men and horses along with them, with him. He didn't send Nehemiah all by himself. Nehemiah was too precious to the king to just let him go by himself. And so we come to this point in the book of Nehemiah. And in verse 10, when Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite, official heard about this they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites and that's where we will stop today 
And so Nehemiah saw God opening the doors. He became bold and confident in his request. And so today, we may ask ourselves, what is God burdening me with? And is God burdening something, putting a burden on you? Not a burden that will knock you down. Not one of those burdens. But a burden to do something for Jerusalem. Well, as we have read, we are to pray. We are to wait. We are to prepare as we pray and wait. And when the door is opened, don't forget to pray again. And as the door is opened, we will see how God is leading us to the point that we will trust God to even go a little further. But unfortunately, us as Christians want to go a little further without doing what needs to be done first. We're too impatient to wait. We're too impatient to pray. We're too impatient to make plans. We just want the benefits. We want the blessings. But God is saying, hey, slow down. What's the hurry? You first need to trust me. You first need to rely on me. Yes, you need to make plans. And then when the time comes, then you move forward. And I may even take you somewhere you did not even plan to go. But had you not taken that time to pray and wait and plan, you would not even know. Because we run ahead of God. We go the direction we think he wants us to go. While all along, God wanted to teach us something in the waiting period that would have made a different outcome than where we went. Had Nehemiah just jumped the gun and ran to Jerusalem, he would not have had wood. He would not have had men to go along with him. He would not have had horses to go along with him. And he probably would have made the king very upset. And you don't want to do that. Especially if he's the king of Persia. So today, let us wait on the Lord. Pray. And if you feel like you've been praying and waiting and nothing's happening, I don't know if it's been four months or four years. I don't know. Only you know. Continue to pray and wait and make plans. And one day, God will open the door. And I'm saying this and I'm thinking, God, just open the door right now. But maybe I'm not really praying enough. Maybe I'm just praying my ideas and not what God wants. Maybe the plans are being selfish plans. Maybe my ideas are more, how are they going to benefit me and not so much God? I think about that when I pray. Am I praying for myself more than anything else here? Am I making plans that will benefit me so that I can be known? So that I can be the one that says, hey, look at that nice plan the pastor came up with. And I get all the glory and I feel good about myself. And they say, what a good pastor and all this other stuff. Am I being selfish? If that's my prayer, maybe God is telling me, you need to pray a little bit more. That's why your four months have turned into four years. Just an idea. I don't know. So, let us learn from Nehemiah. And the last verse. 
there was opposition. There is opposition when we want to do God's work. But we can take this the wrong way too. Sometimes we get this martyr complex that if we're doing something right and people are against us, we think that, well, I must be doing something right. And so we keep doing it and antagonizing everybody and everybody goes against you and you get this idea, yeah, everybody just wants to knock me down because I'm doing the Lord's work. Well, you could, that, that's a dangerous thing because, you know, you have some of these offshoot groups that say, well, you know, all these people are against us. We must be doing something right. Well, anybody could say that. Every time we do something and somebody goes against us, you know, that happens in our home every day almost, doesn't it? Does that mean I'm right? Not always. So, that will be our next topic as we go on. But we will face opposition. How do we work with that opposition? How do we know whether that opposition is really telling us to stop, whether, it coming from, whether it's coming from God or it's coming from the devil? Well, first of all, if you've been praying and waiting and making plans and God opens the door, that's a good indication that you're going in the right direction. And if people want to go against that, if it's from God, it will fall. I'm sorry, if it's not from God, it will fall, it will fail. But if it's from God, anybody can go against you. And if you keep going, then, and God is leading you, then you keep on going. But if you get discouraged, even if it's what God wants you to do and it stops, that doesn't mean it was the wrong plan either. Because sometimes we're the ones that get discouraged and just stop. So Nehemiah is a great example to us today. Let us wait. Let us pray. Let us make preparations. And when the door is open, let us not forget to pray. And there might be opposition along the way. So let us remember that today as we go out this week into the mission field of Concord and the wherever you live and wherever you go. And what is God burdening you with today? We hope that we can see the fruition one day of what God wants to lead us so let us pray as we close this day heavenly father we thank you god for the story of nehemiah we thank you that it teaches us many lessons even today it teaches us patience it teaches us to wait and to pray and to and along with that waiting and praying there is a place for planning and for preparations waiting for you God to open the door and not so much us to jump the gun and want to get ahead of you and along that way when you open the door let us not forget to pray again and believe that it is us who is doing it and as we finish this section we find that there is opposition already let us not be discouraged in our passion let us not stop when we have seen you lead us in the past let us not stop when we feel the burden of doing what you want us to do and we have clear uh, signs along the way that you have been leading us. But at the same time, keep us humble so that we can be sure that it is you that is leading us along the way. 
So God, we thank you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.